This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. Mobile Gas and Mobile Oil bring you Orson Welles. And here he is, everybody, our producer and star who's just returned from a 5,000-mile round-trip flight to Washington, D.C. That's right, Johnny. Of course, before I left, I was sworn to secrecy as to the purpose of my mission to the Capitol. Now it can be told. But it doesn't matter. When I got there, the apartment was taken. (laughs) Hello, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Nice to see you. You know, I, I would like to tell you that there are all kinds of people in Washington. Uh, I found out they even politicians. You know what a politician is. That's a guy who walks around without knowing where he's going or what he's doing. In Hollywood, we call them pedestrians. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised how the big men in Washington are worried about the housing problem. That's true. You know, the day I left, I saw Warren, Taft, Bricker, and Dewey standing in front of the White House looking dejectedly at a sign that says, No vacancy. <laughs> Seriously, seriously, a lot of show people are going into public life. Helen Gahagan, Hal Stiles, there's been talk of Walter Houston, Helen Hayes, and Lucille Gleason, they're doing the same thing. So I can't pretend that it came as a surprise to me that our lovely guest for this evening has some political ambitions. She's here tonight to talk over my being her campaign manager. I give you the people's friend, that fearless, that dauntless crusader who has fought so long and valiantly for what she has always considered her own interests. Honest Ann Southern. Uh, My friends, I am not going to make a lot of campaign promises. Hooray! I am not going to guarantee you two chickens in every pot. I'm not even going to guarantee you a pot. Hooray! But I can promise you this. Changes will be made. Hooray! Some of the conditions... Some of the conditions that prevail today are deplorable. Hooray! (laughs) Friends, uh, friends, did you ever sit in a movie theater watching Ronald Coleman make love to Hedy Lamarr and suddenly the guy next to you starts chewing peanut brittle in your ear? That guy's got to go. But, Anne, there, there's a worse pest than that. Have you ever been caught in the shower when the phone rings and you run out dripping wet, pick up the receiver, and a guy says, Get who? <laughs> that guy's got to go. Right. Well, that's the idea, Orson. But the one we really got to, to, to suppress is the cutie who does magic tricks at parties. Yes, I know. That's most important. <laughs> well, now, Anne, let's not go overboard. No, but it's gratifying to see a woman taking such an active interest in politics. It really is, Well, Anne. thank you, Orson. I'm but there's just it. one thing I'd like to know. What is the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats? Well, that's easy. The Republicans are much prettier. They've got Claire Loose. Ah. <laughs> Tell me... Tell me more about your political aspirations, Anne. What reforms are you planning? Well, for one thing, I think the capital in Washington, D.C. is too far east. 
I'm in favor of moving it nearer the center of the country, uh, say around Indiana. Well, it'd make a nice consolation prize for Wilkie. <laughs> be a dangerous precedent, though, and it might mean we'd have to move the capital every four years to the home state of the guy who runs against Roosevelt. Oh. <laughs> Moving the capital permanently to Hollywood. Oh, fine, fine. I can just see the neon sign on the White House. Coming soon, Daryl Zanuck presents Congress. <laughs> 96 gorgeous senators and Abbott and Costello. <laughs> what good would that do, moving the capital to Hollywood? Really. Well, well, it would help the movie industry. I've got a much better idea for helping the movie industry. Uh-huh. With my plan, the picture people would really mop up. Well, what is it, Austin? Very simple. We let the audience in for nothing. Make them pay to get out. (laughs) Oh, I forgot your last picture. Oh, (laughs) you saw me in Jane Eyre. What did you think of my performance in it? Jane Eyre? Mm. Well, frankly, Austin, I didn't care for it. Look, Anne, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. (laughs) Now, let's get back to the Anne Southern campaign for Congress. What's the public want to know, or rather what the public wants to know, is what your views are on taxes. Oh, I think taxes are wonderful. I think the government is doing us a big favor. A big favor? What do you mean? Well, with all that stuff you have to carry around in your pockets, ration books, social security cards, and gas coupons, the government doesn't want to load you down with money, too. But what I want you to do, Orson, is to help me to figure out a way to stop inflation. Oh, yes, inflation. Uh, Why do people spend so much money? Well, that's easy, Anne. Did you ever see the pictures of some of the guys on the money? Mm. All solemn, worried-looking men. People have enough troubles. They don't want to look at pictures of guys who look worried. So what do they do? They get rid of the money as fast as they can. Now, my idea is to substitute pretty girls on the paper money. If a guy's got a dollar bill with a picture of Dorothy L'Amour on it in a sarong, he isn't going to part with it so fast. He's going to sit up all night looking through his money. Oh. Oh, yes. And that'll keep the men from spending, too. And we can give the women dollar bills with pictures of Frank Sinatra in a sarong. You made about 30 little people very happy, just <laughs> That's the idea. We'll, we'll make money. Hold. We'll. <laughs> we'll make people hold on to their money. Carol Landis can hang on to the ten. Or excuse me, Carol Landis will be on the ten dollar bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's better. And Linda Darnell on the twenties. Uh-huh. And on the fifty dollar bills, uh, Gypsy Rose Lee dancing. Great. Who'd be on the hundred? Gypsy Rose Lee. Two choruses later. <laughs> That's a wonderful plan. Why don't we start campaigning immediately? Well, Anne, before I consent to be your campaign manager, it's imperative that I know how you stand on vital questions of the day. Miss <laughs> Southern, what are your views on the peripatetic Ranitos of the Crobody? I'm a it. And how do you feel about the Cranitos? I'm against it. And what do you think about the flowns, the rabbits? I'm neutral. Neutral? How can you be neutral on such an important matter? When it comes to things political, one must be supercritical. Out on a limb, there's just one way to go. Controversial points are ticklish, and voters are so ficklish. I play the game the safest way I know. 
If you ask her what she thinks of prohibition Or Moscow mission Or ceiling rents Will I vote for socializing the physician? She's neutral I'm sitting on the fence If you ask her views on this administration Or is inflation a consequence? Will she take a stand on tariff legislation? I'm neutral She's sitting on the fence With the aid of Claire Luce, I might introduce a bill you girls would endorse. To cover your toesies with nylon hosies, oh, beat me daddy with the flying red horse. If you ask her what she thinks of Wendell Wilkie, and Wendell Wilkie, constituents, it's impossible to find a rhyme for Wilkie. We're neutral, we're sitting on the fence. She's for Cupid solidly. Down with all who disagree. With a girl upon your knees. Who needs Dr. Anthony? She's for Goodman, clarinetter. Entertainment that is better. Down with any operetta. Up with Lana Turner's sweater. If you ask for views on hotcakes and molasses. Or demi-tasses. Now that makes sense. If you ask him what he thinks of mobile gases. I'm for it. I'm sitting on the fence. Oh, Uh-oh. summer proven. <laughs> Not sitting on the fence. He loves his sponsor. I love him. Not sitting on the fence. Well, folks, tonight I've got a little free verse. Well, it's free and it could be verse. You with me? Okay. Up in Seattle, Washington, lives a chap named Smith, a real live fellow. He's no myth. Now, Mr. Smith owns a car, and does he get the mileage? He goes far. Why? He's a mobile gas guy. Good thing, because Mr. Smith is a salesman by trade. If he's to keep going, those calls must be made. Mr. Smith keeps going. He gets around, so his customers have found. He makes those sales. Mobile gas never fails. The much-traveled Mr. Smith sent us this note. It's a sensation the way I can squeeze miles from my gasoline ration. Metals to mobile gas. I mean it. If there's a better gas for mileage, I've never seen it. Yes, Mr. Smith smiles. He gets the miles. So, folks, stretch your coupons, turn on your ignitions, get every possible mile under wartime conditions. Mobile gas is America's favorite gasoline, of course. You'll find it at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. The year, 1964. The scene, the White House in Washington, D.C. The Honorable Anne Southern, President of the United States, is seated at her desk. Oh, gee, 12 telephones on my desk. I don't know which one to pick up. Let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Hello? Who's calling? This is Moe. I'd like to speak to F.D. Oh, really, now, this is 1964. They don't live here anymore. They left last year. Take your hands off me, flunky. I can come in here whenever I want. I'm the president's husband, Orson Southern. (laughs) (laughs) Darling, where have you been? Oh, I just got back from Australia. find more time to spend at home. After all, you're the first gentleman of the land now, and people are beginning to talk. 
A man's place is in the home, you oh, know. Oh, stop pulling your rank on me. Well, well, a president's husband should have dignity. And that reminds me. I want you to stop hanging around the gallery of the Supreme Court. There's too many good-looking dames on that bench. Oh, there's no harm watching the justices of the Supreme Court. Well, it won't do you any good. No matter how much you whistle and applaud, they're not going to take their robes off. <laughs> and another thing. What's this rumor I hear about you writing a newspaper column? My night. Oh, it's just a little thing to keep me off the streets. I'll take it, dear. Hello? This is the president's husband. Oh, yeah? Well, the same to you, and that goes double. <laughs> Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Who was that, dear? Westbrook Pegler. I think I'll devote a column to him tomorrow and call it My Nightmare. Well, don't bother me with that now. I've got important domestic problems. Look at this report. Last night in Washington Park, 20 benches were broken. Ah, the fleet's in. That's what happens when you make W.C. Field Secretary of the Navy. Now, don't be catty, dear. Darling, don't you think we could fire him and make me Secretary of the Navy? <laughs> now, sweet, don't you mix in politics. Well, I want to. Well, you just go play with your sailboat I in the bathtub. <laughs> W.C. Fields is doing a very good job. I know, but how does it look for a Secretary of the Navy to launch a ship and then go running down the ways, licking its sides? <laughs> Little baby does so much want to be a politician, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, well, ask Mommy. I would like that very much. Sugar plum. Yes. Could I be secretary of the Treasury? What's wrong with Jack Benny? Oh, he's all right, but I liked it better when the gold was buried in Fort Knox, Kentucky, not under his mattress. Now, please, dear, I have a phone call to make. Why don't you hop off to Greenland? You haven't been there in two weeks. Always oh, brushing me aside like a used vice president. Get me the FBI. Hello, FBI. Get me the chief investigator. Hello, Hedda Hopper. <laughs> now, listen, dear, this has been going on for 20 years, and it's, be and it's becoming a public scandal. I want this case cleaned up immediately. I'll give you 24 hours to capture Flat Top. He died this morning, but we couldn't kill a joke. And that's not... <laughs> Darling, I've got to get over to the House of Representatives. Now, you call all the girls for me and tell them not to forget about Stephanie Early's wedding tomorrow night. I've been meaning to speak to you about that, dear. You have to take back that present you gave her for her shower. Oh, but darling... The Secretary of State gave her a living room set. I know. The, the Vice President gave her a gold piano. I couldn't let those girls outdo me. I know, but giving away Alabama, that's going too far. The House of Representatives is now in session. <laughs> That's ham fish. No matter what they do, they can't get him out. Fellow Congresswomen, Her Excellency, the President of the United States. Hooray! 
Uh, thank you, ladies. I have a very urgent bill that requires your immediate attention. Resolve that the Congress shall appropriate a dozen eggs for the annual Easter egg rolling contest on the White House lawn in view of the fact that Orson refused to let us roll him again this year. <laughs> Madam Speaker, the bill is open for discussion. Ladies! Ladies, please remember parliamentary procedure. The chair recognizes the lady from South Dakota. Well, I don't see how you can. She's had her face lifted three times. Please, Mrs. President. The chair recognizes the lady from South Dakota. You had your hand up, didn't you? Do you want to discuss this bill? No. This is my first day in Congress. I just want to know where the powder room is. <laughs> Come to order. The chair recognizes the congresswoman at large. Uh, uh Mrs. Speaker, I uh, don't know anything about egg rolling, but I do know that the campfire girls must have more campfire boys. <laughs> Back so soon, dear? Yes. Oh, what a day I had in Congress. I can't stand that Aggie Google Glotzer from New Jersey. She was wearing the same hat I was. Now, just relax, dear. Here, I brought you your cigarettes and your mules. Oh, thanks, darling. Now, look, I'm tired of just being the president's husband. I want to be... Quiet time concentrating. Well, I do. I want to be... I, I, I do. Orson, you talk back to me once more and I'll make you secretary of labor. Oh, no. No, dear. Not that. I couldn't stand it, having my friends call me Ma Wells. Well, then just leave me alone. I have some work to do on the national budget. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Don't you think you've been spending too much money? Oh, stop, darling. You're beginning to talk like a Republican. Well, I mean it. I mean it. Look at this $80 million item. We've got a perfectly good bridge running from Oakland to San Francisco. Why did you order a new one built that goes halfway across the bay, turns around, and comes back? <laughs> Well, you wouldn't understand that, dear. That's for people who change their minds. And what's Congress going to think about an item like this? Now, look here. An item like this in the budget, $12.95 for a girdle. Well, you don't have to wear it if you don't want to. What's funny about that? And what are you worried about, anyway? Look at the revenue we're getting from my new pay-as-you-kiss tax. Oh, well, I'll admit, it's a pretty good idea. But look at the black market that sprung up. There are kiss-easies all over the country. <laughs> Besides, there are too many ways to get around that tax. One guy deducted $800 for chapped lips. And the Eskimos are complaining, too. They claim we're making them pay through the nose. <laughs> well, darling, just let me worry about the taxes. All right, come on, dear. You've worked hard enough today. Let's go Betty bye All right, dear. There, I've turned your bed down. Thanks. Oh, I'll turn in. Good night, dear. Good night. Oh, heavens. I knew I'd forgotten something. Now, what did I do with that bill? Which one, dear? The anti-filibuster bill? No, the gas bill. I know it's in this desk somewhere. Not here. Not here. Darling, what was it? A mouse? No. An old Dewey button. Here. Here, let me look for the bill. Another Dewey button? No, Dewey. Friends, I know a soldier, a civilian soldier. 
He doesn't wear a military uniform, but notice, please, he always wears a smile. In his unassuming way, he does a whopping job. He helps to keep the autos of America rolling. Who is this man? Your mobile gas dealer. Friends, he knows how deadly serious America's transportation situation is today. He knows four workers out of every five must get to work in private cars, or else. He'll go all out to keep your car in working order and to keep it lasting longer. Notice this. Your mobile gas dealer never tries to sell you an expensive bill of goods. He only tells you, only sells you what your car should have. Is your car in shape for summer driving? If so, keep it that way. Let your mobile gas dealer check it thoroughly and frequently. Let him give your car the service it needs, the products it deserves. Your mobile gas dealer is standing by, so drive in at the sign of the flying red horse. And now our all-star jazz combination comes back to the Mercury Wonder Show this week and brings you in the person of Mutt Carey on the trumpet, Kid Ory on the trombone, Barney Begard on the clarinet, Buster Wilson on the piano, Bud Scott guitar, Ed Garland bass, and Zooty Singleton drums. A great classic of hot jazz... Worry Blues.
Romeo and Juliet. Orson Welles brings you the final scene from Shakespeare's tragedy. Mr. Welles playing Romeo and Hans Conried playing the Count Paris. Romeo, banished from Verona, hears the news of the supposed death of Juliet. Purchasing a poison, he returns by night to kill himself in Juliet's grave. Count Paris, intended by Juliet's parents to be her husband, is there before him in the tomb. Thou detestable maw, thou womb of death, gorged with the dearest morsel of the earth, thus I enforce thy rotten jaws to open, and in despite I'll cram thee with more. Stop thy unhallowed toil, vile Montague. Can vengeance be pursued further than death? Condemned villain, I do apprehend thee. Obey and go with me, for thou must die. I must indeed, and therefore came I hither. Good gentle youth, tempt not a desperate man. Fly hence and leave me. Oh, be gone. By heaven, I love thee better than myself, for I come hither armed against myself. I do defy thy conjurations and apprehend thee for a felon here. Wilt thou provoke me? Then have at thee, boy. Be merciful. Open to me. Let me peruse this face. Mercutio's kinsman, noble county Paris. Give me thy hand. One writ with me in sour misfortune's book. I'll bury thee in a triumphant grave. A grave? Oh, no. A lantern slaughtered youth. For here lies Juliet, and her beauty makes this vault. A feasting presence, full of light. Death, lie thou there. I had dead man interred. Oh, my love, my wife. Death that hath sucked the honey of thy breath hath had no power yet upon my beauty. Thou art not conquered. Beauty's ensign yet is crimson in thy lips in my cheeks, and death's pale flag is not advanced there. Oh, dear Juliet, why art thou yet so fair? Shall I believe that unsubstantial death is amorous, and that the lean, abhorred monster keeps thee here in dark to be his paramour? For fear of that, I still will stay with thee. And never from this palace of dim night depart again. Here, here will I remain with worms that are thy chambermaids. Oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest and shake the yoke of inauspicious stars from this world-wearied flesh. Eyes look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. And lips, 
O you the doors of breath, seal with a righteous kiss, a dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter conduct, come, unsavory guide, thou desperate pilot, now at once, run on the dashing rocks thy seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. O oh, true apothecary, thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. Say goodnight now. Thank you so much. Please join us again next Wednesday night. Until then, my sponsors, the makers of mobile gas and mobile oil, and all of us in the Mercury Theater, remain as always obediently yours. of Mobile Gas and Mobile Oil invite you to listen in next week, same time, same station, to the Orson Welles Show. Mr. Welles' guests are Lee and Lynn Wilde, the gorgeous twins who have caused such a sensation in MGM's Andy Hardy's Blonde Trouble, starring Mickey Rooney. Anne Southern appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the White Cliffs of Dover. John McIntyre speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.